This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Shake them ropes. I'm Jeff. I uh, I got hit by a car last night. How's your... Whoa, week? wait, what? You didn't tell me any of this. <laughs> How's that? What happened with that? Yeah, I know. I save it for the air. Well, third week of January is... Get hit uh, by a car rains. week? Well, yes, because it rains here and the streets suck and people don't know how to drive in the rain and the combination of those two things ended up in me getting... Uh, getting uh, tagged in the rear bumper so your car got hit you didn't get hit by a car yeah okay I, no, all right. no no all right no, that, I did that, not. that brings no. down the level yes. of concern a little bit i hold on i'm still okay chris i walked away from a car wreck. this is like a fender bender is it he hit the you said he, he got the <laughs> rear bumper like like how fast are we talking here uh it it, it was uh, significant enough um okay okay <laughs> no i you know it, it's weird i, I moved to la in the third week of January. And every year since, it's rained on the third week of January. So this is the rainy season for L.A. L.A. streets suck. You know, it, it, I mean, at least, the, I mean, the kid was had just moved here, so I felt real bad for him. It's kind of like, welcome to L.A., kid. Now your insurance is really going to suck. Well, it's one of those things where, well, he's still on his folks insurance. Oh, that's good for him, then. No, you know, it's one of these things where on dark streets, we had a jaywalker, Guy in front of me stops. I have plenty of room. I stop. And then you hear the sliding and you go, oh, crap. Here it comes. <laughs> Bam. <laughs> it's like, oh. So, so where I live, jaywalking is, and you know me, especially on a lot of these sorts of things, I wouldn't have a problem with a little bit of jaywalking. But we have enough jaywalking around here that it's actually a problem. Um, and I would like to see some jaywalking enforcement because I am constantly worried that I am going to hit somebody who is jaywalking. And it does not help that the people who jaywalk around here jaywalk particularly stupidly and kind of cavalierly. Like, there's been so much jaywalking now, Jeff, that people have gotten kind of normalized to the idea that you can just cross the street whenever and will, like, stare at the cars like they expect you to slow down to yield to them as they're jaywalking. I, I'm worried about this because, like, you know, obviously I think that they're being jerks, but I don't want them to get hit by a car. I don't have pity for them because in L.A. they've stopped enforcing jaywalking tickets. They 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 used to, like, if you were, like, in a crosswalk when it was, like, hard red or whatever, they could write you a ticket and whatnot. Um, they said that this was, uh, I forgot the wording, but, it, you know, it's targeting the poor. You can't do that. So you can't get out of an L.A. city making right turns because people just don't care when they cross. They'll just cross whenever the heck they feel like it these days. Um, the, other, the other thing is is to add to my woes, I think I got a $500 ticket on the way home because uh, where I live, there's also... Um, you were in red, did you? I didn't run a red. I think I turned right 
on a red that I wasn't supposed to turn right on, right around where like there's a bus oh, crossing. Oh, that's the worst. That, oh, those are hard to keep. And there's oh. ca- and the camera started flat and the camera started flashing. I'm like, I just got done with an accident. Maybe my think thought process wasn't correct, but this is just BS. <laughs> so even though I don't have to pay for the car, I'm gonna have to pay for the ticket probably. So I mean, and it's five hundred bucks. Or actually, it's about seven hundred with with uh, court costs, which I'm just like. Really? Oh my god! Yeah, I thought yeah. they were bad out here in Texas because Texas is a state that is very trigger happy with the fees and fines as sort of the shadow taxing mechanism. But uh, wow, seven hundred! Whoa, that's really high. So, uh, and then I got to come home and watch Raw. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, at least you had a great three hours of wrestling. I made the mistake, Jeff, of watching this straight up live, and ooh, ooh, I, I regretted that choice. I feel like the weeks I choose to do the live watch are always on the episodes where I should have done the speed watch. So anyways, patreon.com slash shake them ropes is the Patreon. Uh, we'll come up with an episode in the next few weeks to, for that. Um... I'm going to talk a bit. On Monday morning, I got a text from, I believe, Ticketmaster saying that if I really wanted to, out from L.A., because I'm such a dedicated WWE fan, that I could get two-for-one tickets to the Royal Rumble. This amazes me, because I thought from the get-go, when they booked Chase Field that they needed a rock or a big-time draw to be able to fill that arena. And I'm starting to think that they're just going to start booking these, or at least they want like three or two WrestleManias a year now. And I think they got greedy because Philadelphia was fine because Philadelphia was a small arena. These tickets aren't selling. And... The reason that I'm a little bit even more gobsmacked is because on this Raw, and this was apparently the plan, Braun Strowman has been pulled from the main event in favor of Finn Balor. I'm told Dave Meltzer basically says that this was the plan all along, that it's basically been a bait and switch. And to me, I'm just To what end? I mean, the, the only that the only way that makes sense. I was watching that and thinking, you know, I know Jeff doesn't believe in the political hit theories, and I'm not one for them either. But boy, if there is ever one where you could make an affirmative case, and I would be sitting there and going, hmm, this this did not help Braun Strowman at all. Let me throw this at you then. After you just said that, they booked this Royal Rumble with Braun Strowman versus Brock Lesnar, thinking that that would be more of a travel destination main event than building up Finn Balor on a universal title redemption story versus Brock Lesnar. Take that, fanboys. I'm... If, if they had made a story where, you know, over the past two months, where Finn Balor was believably had a shot against Brock Lesnar where he was beating all these big guys where he was, you know, this is my redemption story and you got the people behind it. I guarantee you 
that that would probably be more of a draw than Braun Strowman versus Brock Lesnar number three, I think is what it is. And they decided, and, and the odd thing is, on TV, the story is, we don't have faith in Finn Balor. And the reality was, they didn't have faith in Finn Balor. And it also kind of feels like they don't have full faith in Braun Strowman either, though. Right? I, I mean, if he, I, I guess they think he's a good draw, but then they also... I mean, really, we needed to do a bait-and-switch to get to a Balor-Brock main event? Yeah. I mean, it, it, look, I... Well, it leaves one scratching their head, and, and that's why the it-was-a-plan-all-along narrative, I don't find it fully satisfying, because I don't see the plan. There aren't stars, so you can't just plug in another one. So they go with... They go with the fact that they think that, oh, these people are going to want to see these two monsters after Braun just went through a program where he had a face. He was a baby face destroying Kevin Owens, which wasn't everybody's favorite because Kevin o- people like Kevin Owens and he was just destroying him and throwing him off of things. Then he makes a heel turn to join up with Drew and, and Dolph, which is very short lived. And then they turn him back baby face again. It, it, it was just it's it's baffling that now where's the plan there well it's baffling that now well they well and then they turned him babyface because of the roman thing and then of course they go well he's not medically cleared but we don't want to say he's not medically cleared which would be fine that's the other thing that kills me is that if he's not medically cleared to go there's nothing wrong with saying that in a brutal physical sport that your stars sometimes get hurt and they never want to do that because they want to put smiles on people's faces and all these other things. So they did this. And that actually protects Braun better than this. Yes, it does, because that sketch with the limo was bad. I mean, yeah, sure, he lifted the limo in the end with 21 jump cuts to make sure you didn't see like any any artificial help him doing it but i mean <laughs> even my friends who don't review this stuff every week when they were watching it with me were like wow there's a lot they, of cuts in this they did they were just the the dumb dumb gobsmacked stare of vince mcmahon where he's like doing pantomime almost huh i was getting huh? ready for him to go <laughs> strowman like this is some old episode of the Flintstones or something. Like this was so lame and cartoony in the worst of ways. The worst of ways. Man, I, I mean, just after both shows, it feels like they're going. What are some memorable moments in WWE history? Let's recreate them every week because you had the limo spot. You know, a car got destroyed. People used to really like that. You had, you know, you had a. Uh, I almost call her Summer Ray. Uh, uh, Mandy Rose in a towel, kind of like uh, you know the the seduction story, like Trish Stratus. You 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 had the you had the the the, the half naked Alexa Bliss spot. You know it's oh we need we need we need to sex this up and dis- and destroy cars. That's what we need to do. These are the stupidest possible versions of all of those great WWE moments and really contriving ways to get into those moments. I said great. I don't necessarily even think they were great, but like what Vince would think is great. This was a very lame way to get into the limo spot 
to go to Mandy Rose here. I, if we want to go there fully, we can. But to just touch on that real quick. No, no. Well, let, let's to, let's wait for SmackDown. We, we you get to the Alexa Bliss one first because that. Can, well, yeah. no, like I, I mean, I, honestly, I think they're up a piece. They're, they're very lazy ways to get into both of those. Yeah. The Alexa Bliss one was completely gratuitous. The Alexa Bliss one angered me. It was so gratuitous because yeah. he knocks on the door. He says he knocks again. He he slowly opens the door. He says, "I'm coming in." And it's just silence in this small dressing room. And then they're staring at each other forever just so we can, like, linger on the, oh, Alexa has boobs moment. She didn't scream. She didn't say anything until he's all the way in the room. And just that that, that two, three-second stare, and you're just like, man, I'm, I'm glad. It was gross. It's, it was It was gross. gross. It was, if you try to watch this with a girl or something, they would walk out of the room on you. You'd never talk to that woman again if you brought a date over and watched that. Yeah, because they'd be like, you watch this? And you'd be like, ah. Like, it, it, and you'd want to explain, I don't fucking like this either. I wish that this part was not on the show, but here it is. And then, and then you have whatever the hell it was Otis is doing behind Alexa Bliss. Oh yeah, Otis. Oh yeah, I, I, at least he was good on Pretty SmackDown. Girl. This odd run. <laughs> yeah, God. girls, girls. Where are the girls? Want to hug and kiss the girls? You know, you're just like, oh my God, is, is that how you're gonna debut Otis? I mean, I get he's gonna be a comedy. <laughs> the creepy guy in the office, the guy who may who makes women uncomfortable around the office, but isn't necessarily trying to. You remember when I said that they may treat him like a Chris Farley character? He's a, he's yeah, a Chris yeah. Farley character. Oh, yeah. He's also the Kool-Aid man. Duff man. Yeah, a little Duff bit of that, man. too. <laughs> oh, and, and to get back to Balor again, just to, just to not even wrap that up, but you have him fi- <laughs> So Jinder Mahal decides, why am I not in this fatal four-way? And they go, well, you can pick anybody you want to, to fight, and they pick Finn Balor, and they don't play that up as a story afterwards in the Fatal 4-Way, where, where, you know, give him an injury, something to overcome, have him be an underdog. No, he's out there full strength, running around, doing that. That's a way to get him over, guys. I just, I was like... I think part of that is that they felt like they needed to have Balor going at full speed in order for him to connect with the audience enough for them to kind of want this title match. But it goes it goes back to the flawed logic of the audience doesn't necessarily want this Finn Balor redemption story right now. They could. I think it's entirely possible. It's nothing wrong with Finn. It's the way he's been presented. Well, it, it's part that, and it's also part when 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 people come to the show this may be their only time to see see the superstars that they like so we need to have them play all the hits and be at full strength which is why they never do injury angles really unless they're really injured yeah yeah i mean i kind of get that but there's something to be said for the ddp over a year of taped ribs sort of angle yeah. and how that can actually add something no, I, I get that. I, I'm just I'm flabbergasted because I'm still excited to see this, this Finn Balor-Lesnar match. But you have a week. Right. It's just not hot enough. It's not that the match... I bet you the match is actually going to over-deliver. Uh, I'm at least cautiously optimistic on that front. But not doing a build on this, especially after... 
This is why I don't believe that this is the plan. We're all rushing. The I bills. feel like we're they rushing all the bills. Right? No. This. What about this segment last week? Then, right? Like they were really invested in that. It just bombed. Which one? The one where Braun Strowman's standing in the oh, ring yeah. and begging yeah. Brock Lesnar to come down. I, I mean, they clearly were invested in that angle. They just, you know, I, I, I think they looked at it. Was like, this is not working. Okay. I, you know, I, I just went with what, what the wrestling observer said so no i'm i'm not i'm not say i'm saying that sometimes you, you know um official sources or sources that are inside the company are putting out their own version of events agreed agreed yeah and speaking of just rushed builds sasha and ronda um you know what i liked the match but it was just like <laughs> can, can anybody i mean I, i'm I push back when people ask, are there any women writers in the WWE? Because I, I don't think it would do them any good. Because they'd just be, you know, the next people shot down in a meeting that you don't know what you're talking about and you don't know this business and, you know, you know let, let the professionals handle it. But, but it was just like, it was like... <laughs> Okay. It was the same thing with the Iconics, right? Like, the the Iconics with their little line about, oh, you're bossy, just like men, and that weird, uncomfortable audience reaction that they got from that. It, it's, it's if they had former women wrestlers or even women wrestlers who were on their way out of the business and kind of moving into that second phase of their career, if they had them writing the women's segments, I don't think they'd be as stupid as this. But they'd need to be on their own sovereign island and given a lot of creative, not like total creative liberty, but like a lot of hands-offedness with the approach. They need to ha- they need to understand the vision that Vince is trying to execute there, but like be given their own lane to work in chris chris i'm going to tell you something if vince mcmahon were trapped in a snowstorm with no communication to anybody and there's no executives around he'd still micromanage somehow if it it was just up to the wrestlers to do a show i think they they'd know what to do i gotta be honest with you i think they'd know what to do better than, than than whatever instincts are here um you know the, the 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 Sasha Ronda tag match was great, but then it became bickering, and Sasha came off as petulant, and then you try and have to put Natty and Bailey into this, and they're not acting like real friends of people who, you know, we've all they're not acting like real people. Yeah, we we've all had friends who you know sometimes we have to defend, and we can't really defend all that well, and sometimes we have to criticize somebody else's friend without, you know, hurting that person's feelings. We've all been there. But it's more nuanced than this, and the way they were doing it was kind of absurd. It felt unrelatable. Um, And and to go back to the match, um, I thought the match was okay, but Sasha and Nia did not mesh well at all, Um, and, and I think a lot of that still remains on Nia. I think it was Sasha wanted to prove she could hit all these moves that were kind of messed up last week in the one-on-one match. It felt okay. like that. I, look, I think Sasha, more than any person on this roster, wants to be the best wrestler on this roster. And so so if there was something that was kind of screwed up last week, well, darn it, next week I'm coming in there and I'm going to do it. And I'm going to hit it well. And yeah, they, they, they kind of did not gel as, as well as I would have liked. But I thought the story of the match, 
next to the acting was fine. Sasha tapped out somebody staring staring down Ronda the whole time. I liked that. I think the best part of this for me was Banks flashing the four horsewomen sign <laughs> at the end of the match. No, because at least that gives no, us no th- really because that's the long term seeds being planted that like th- this is building and that Ronda's going to need her own posse. I, I, now I think it's kind of interesting. Maybe Natty ends up being like the sting of Ronda's faction, where you know she she joins up and then eventually Ronda's <laughs> like, "You're actually not one of us." Here's Jessamine and everyone else. Uh, so in addition to Otis... Oh, yeah! Come on, Jafar! Do, doing whatever he was doing all over himself in, in front of Alexa. We also had another debut. Come play with Nikki. Nikki is here. Um, she was the, uh, secret, or the secret partner. The, uh, the uh, how, how shall we put it? The, the surprise partner of Bailey and, and Natty. Thought she looked pretty good in this match. Thought they gave her a lot of time. Didn't understand why they didn't give her the pin. That was kind of uh, interesting. But overall, I mean, for for what it was, uh, you know, a lot of these people didn't know who Nikki was. The the initial pop was okay. Um, but I'm not in love with this approach of we're going to have them kind of freely appear on both shows until we choose to fully debut them. I agree. I I, I don't think that helps them at all. I, I I don't I don't think that does anything. It's sort of like we're soft debuting them but by the time they have their first match that first match isn't going to have any sting to it uh i mean look at where heavy machinery's at already and tell me they wouldn't have been better off just smashing a couple of goobers well we had heavy machinery doing that we have lacey evans talking to dana brooke and and mickey james even though mickey james and dana brooke apparently had fought earlier that night um <laughs> so weird. And then and then sipping what I can only assume is a non-alcoholic. Oh, that's sweet tea. Uh, I'm guaranteeing you that's tea. sweet tea. Yeah. That is yeah. that that is sweet tea with a sprig of mint in it. Because I do declare that is what we have in the South. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I, I hear that. I hear um, that we do drink things so, like that. So oh, we have EC three. Standing there silently as the Dashabot three thousand interviews people, um, and and uh, and then and then out of all those, uh, the only person who didn't debut out of the big six is Lars Sullivan, who apparently may be suffering from some anxiety issues because I don't yeah because he was supposed to debut last week and destroy John Cena and he's the guy they seem to have the biggest plans for and then Tuesday he no showed. Apparent, allegedly, if if you believe huh. what what it says, so who knows what's happening? They may hold him off till the Rumble, if at all, because I don't even know if he's interested in wrestling anymore. This story has gotten very weird with him because obviously he had uh, other things from his past and stuff get unearthed, and, and I only bring that up because he's been acting quite strange lately. Um, and, and the the story around him has been very odd over the last six weeks. You know, he's getting this build. He seems to have these troubles. And now we have this piece of data here on Monday, and what you were saying on Tuesday, he no showed. Uh, I mean, whoa, that's a big sea change. Throw out a little bit of of shade at the people who were. <laughs> Is there a term for this yet, Chris? You're at your highest moment professionally. And somebody decides to dig into your online history from 12 or 15 years ago to ruin your life. 
Yeah, I call it deep diving. Uh, I'm not really sure what it is, but it's obviously kind of like an offset of shame culture and then kind of outrage culture and, and internet outrage culture in particular. So apparently when he was 19, 20, he'd make fun of people with anxiety issues and stuff like that. And Among other people, and I'm tell he you made fun of a lot of different types I'm of people. i tell you something, when pe- people in their late teens, early 20s and stuff like that get access to the internet or even in their early teens, they can say a lot of dumb things. And I've known people who were arrogant jerks in high school who later all of a sudden are calling themselves uh, introverts. And you're like, well, what? And, you know, things happen to people over time. Perhaps something happened between now and back then that gave Lars this kind of nervous complex or something. You know, so I, I, I have... A- or, or perhaps the type of person who might want to go to the gym and work out that much all the time every day m- might be working out some of those nervous complexes right there in the gym, that the person who stands before you is a manifestation of that to a certain extent. And think about this. There's a big difference, a huge difference. And look, Lars has had to handle the, these issues for NXT TakeOver, but there is a difference between being on some little streaming... You know, with a million people and being going out there on national television and saying, don't blow it, kid. You can you can talk yourself into a nervous breakdown. You know, if I screw this up, my career will be over. I mean, I I had these all the time with like network uh, showcases for comedy and stuff. And I was, you know, when I was first doing them, I was not equipped to handle them at all because while I I had faith in my comedy, I was, I mean, one of the reasons I did comedy was because I was insecure. So, so it's like, okay, this is my one big chance to get seen and maybe get a sitcom or whatever. And you start talking to yourself about that. And then to cope with it, I drink far too much. So half the time, you know, I, I had one where I just was, far too inebriated to actually perform and apparently I had a good set but, but it was obvious I had been drinking at the time look I, I'm, I'm I just have a little bit more empathy than, than some do than some of the shame culture do for for calling out Lars about this yeah on, on this in particular certainly and, and, and I'm with you just kind of more broadly too especially for people who are you know 15 16 17 18 19 to dig up stuff that's 15 years old I think it's really suspect I remember this is way back okay you remember Lynn Sanity Remember when Jeremy Lin had his big game yes. against Kobe Bryant? That is sort of like the proto version of the deep dive, whatever we're going to call this thing that's been going on more recently over the last 24, 36 months. But they did that to Jeremy Lin. He, he had an offensive, I'm not going to say it on the air here, he had an offensive handle for, uh, I think, his YouTube account or something like that and put up a bunch of like homophobic and racist stuff. And anyone who knows Jeremy Lin, he's actually like pretty religious guy and became more religious in his late teens and stuff too. So like he obviously had moved on from that but but there is a certain segment of people um not just in wrestling but really just kind of across culture who they can't achieve such great heights but a way that they can kind of get reflective glory in their twisted minds is to bring down these people achieving these great heights by going aha I see that you said a bad thing once 10 years ago. Oh, yeah, no, the the USA Today, one of the sports reporters got railed for that because it was like 20 seconds after 
the Heisman Trophy winner was announced. Here he is retweeting these like seven or eight year old tweets for, from from this kid that I think either you know that were either quoting rap lyrics or calling his friends queer or something of that effect. And, and it was like you as a reporter went in through this guy's social media history to look for stuff to destroy him. And at his highest moment, you did this on purpose and just to make a name for yourself. I just I'm I really resent it because the people who do that and try to defend it try to conflate it with like a more valid form of that that happens kind of more in news and politics and that sort of thing where like an elected official says one thing like a year ago and now is saying something that directly contradicts that's not like deep diving or if someone has a voting record that's not deep diving that person but going and digging up eyes especially when it's like digging up a tweet especially when you know People put out thousands of these tweets all the time. And, you know, you can go, oh, be more selective. But the idea of Twitter is it's like quick thoughts. It's brief. You know, not always the most thoughtful thoughts, especially back in the 140 character era. Um, But but to think that a tweet um, from a non-elected person, like an athlete or a comedian or whatever, is like the equivalent of a public statement by a politician, I think, is... It's dishonest, it's disingenuous, and the people who are using those type of defenses to defend these actions um, are not being truthful. Uh, They're being bullshit. We have a new Intercontinental Champion, Bobby Lashley, in a three-way match with Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins. So we admitted that the Dean Ambrose thing didn't work, basically, is what this is. This was fascinating, because Seth and Dean worked far too much to be enemies. Uh, I'm done with the triple threat being no DQ. Yeah, I, yeah, I, really I, I completely am. agree I with that. Really, just DQ the guy who's cheating and get him out of there. Because I'm tired of this guy brings chair. You know, guy has friends. Guy, you know, it's just, you know, sometimes you want to see the three of them go at it, and you know that's always cool. But just that workaround is bad. And yeah, I don't know. I'm 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 sitting back and watching it and trying to. Uh, trying to think of um you know what they were what they're thinking with dean right now they've been slowly abandoning ship on the character developments that they initially rolled out Uh, every week we have seen a more watered down version of the bane ambrose moral high ground guy um, week by week. I, I mean, I actually thought his promo this week was pretty good. Me too. Uh, but, I thought it was pretty... I mean, yeah, I, I actually I like this promo. But it, this is a very clear abandoned ship. I, I don't know how you can read it as anything else. Two more quick things I wanted to add, because I, I forgot about on the Balor thing. So he wins the number one contender match. And John Cena says he he believes in him and hugs it out and raises his hand to give the kid the rub. Was this necessary? I don't know. I'm, I'm literally... Only if you've got someone as ice cold as Balor. At first, I snarked at it because I'm like, look, Balor's the mo- the most po- one of the most popular guys on your roster. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't need that rub, but at the same time, I'm going... He does right now. They think he does, so I don't know. <laughs> I'm literally just... I'm literally second-guessing myself as I'm... 
formulating these sentences now. It's it's ridiculous. Well, we haven't seen merch sales over the last you know few months here, and I'd be interested to see how Balor's merch did over the last let's say twelve to sixteen weeks because he hasn't really been a featured element on the show, and they've been kind of slow on it. So so maybe they're looking at some kind of internal metrics and going. Eh, you know, maybe Balor does need an extra hand here. I, you know, for my money, I, I think that it, if Strowman could have went, and, and if he's not medically cleared, then we understand that. But, like, assuming he's medically cleared, the money in this angle to me it was Baird Corbett wins this, and then next week Strowman wins it back. And that's your setup going into the Brock Lesnar match. Yeah, I, I, I thought, see, I thought he was going to be, he was, was going to win that uh, TLC match. Be commissioner, put himself in a match with Brock, and Brock would just kill him. Also, this is kind of all very ridiculous, given the fact that McMahon was going around the last couple of weeks and demanding that people be more sociopathic, and here you have Braun Strowman being a sociopath, and he doesn't get rewarded at all. He gets punished. Oh, not only that, he's afraid of punishment because he's trying to put the limo together. Yeah. Oh, God. That that was the worst. Oh, my God. <laughs> that That, as damaging as anything, him trying to fix the car. No. Braun Strowman should be like the honey badger. He should not give one. He should say, take it out of my next check. Yeah, it's right. It's big enough. And he walks away. Yes. Oh, oh God. <laughs> that almost became the cleanup for this week. <laughs> Strowman! Oh, good lord! Now I just I just need fifties sitcom music and everything. It's like leave it to Strowman. <laughs> oh no, Strowman's come by and destroyed the limo again. Yeah. Well, you're gonna have to go talk to him, Vince. <laughs> what have you done oh. this time, Strowman? <laughs> oh, good lord! And then uh, finally, just to wrap up Raw uh, during this moment of bliss where Otis Dozovich was. Otising all over himself. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, we the, <laughs> uh, we, we got the announcement that three teams from Raw and three teams from SmackDown would compete for the first women's tag team titles inside the Elimination Chamber. Uh, interesting. I would have. I really would have liked one wild card team for NXT, but that's me and my personal proclivities. Uh, what do you think of a tag team match in the Elimination Chamber for the ladies? I don't love it. I think that a much better way to get this tag division going and tell stories is to have a tournament over several weeks um, so that even the losers of that tournament have pairings that make sense for them going forward and kind of set the storylines for the belts going forward. I would have done this maybe even over four months. I would have had women get their teams together. I would have told stories. I would have done vignettes with the teams. I would have had them doing training matches, you know, to get ready. All, to all of their the skills. above. Yeah, so especially for some of these lower card teams, enhancement matches are super critical for them to feel credible. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I, w- I would have brought in, you know, not necessarily qualifying matches, but, you know, you get a team with, like, Someone that you're never going to use. You bring in like Mercedes Martinez and someone to, to have, you know, quali- not necessarily a qualifying match, but, you know, 
a really strong match, and if they win, they get in the yeah, tournament. Yeah, bring in your NXT trainees. Actually, like that's a really great usage of them as enhancement talents, is bring up these people who are not even necessarily on NXT television, but are just about ready to get on NXT television, and have them go up and work a one- to two-minute squash match against whoever. You know, you get Jessamine and, and uh, Marina versus... Bailey and Sasha, perhaps, if you're doing the horsewomen. I would story, hold off on those. Well, good. yeah, if you're going to put them in the tourney, yes, absolutely. But I, I wouldn't use them as enhancement talents. No, you're right. You're you're absolutely right on that one. We can always just put an Aaliyah and someone. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, right. You could use a, yes. Uh, Aaliyah could honestly show up, and you could make a whole storyline of her and just random partners constantly oh. keep trying to qualify and lose over and over again. I feel so bad for her. She could have done it two years two-year excursion to stardom and been back by now and just been the best thing in NXT. But that's not how it's going in NXT <laughs> right now. And, instead, she's she, instead she's noof and she's still looking for an entrance of some kind. Um, <laughs> so SmackDown, I thought SmackDown a little bit better than Raw as usual. They still like doing that thing where on SmackDown they love bleeding those first three segments into each other. So you have yes. like, the Becky Lynch Asuka thing into AJ into Shane or whatever. It's like, okay, it's, it's, I guess it's interesting. But uh, I liked uh, I liked the concept and they paid it off of Becky goes in there, beats Peyton, and then Asuka demands a match with Billy right after and gets it quicker. I thought that was cool. I, I liked that. I like the Iconics, but they're not ready to be heated up just yet. I feel bad for them because they're always going to be in this position for a while, I think. Yeah, until they become the tag team champions, I think they're going to be in this position. I think they're going to be the tag team champions after this tournament. I could see them just going, the chase is where the money is. Right, um, <laughs> right. Yeah, no, no, I, I, I think it's very realistic. I mean, the Elimination Chamber, the one, I guess, plus I can make for it is that it's a very good vehicle to have the heels win. They can claim that they won a very hard match, but they, of course, will win it in a chicken shit sort of way. He is not Andrade Cien Almas anymore. He is now just Andrade and I could literally, I think, hear Vince McMahon or whoever was producing Corey when Corey said almost the second time, go, no, his name's Andrade. Um, <laughs> so we've decided that the problem with CN Almas is his name. I liked the match against Rey Mysterio. I didn't think Rey needed to win. Um you know, the distraction takes a little bit away, but I guess... It was a light distraction. I, I actually... Yeah. I, I liked the level of distraction used here. So, like, Vega gets this on... This is the kind of match where... This is the kind of match where you're supposed to have this kind of distraction. Yeah, Vega gets on the apron, and she starts talking to the ref. It's on Ray to decide how much he's going to pay attention to that, and also how relevant it was. And it wasn't necessarily particularly relevant, so he kind of made an error of judgment that Vega forced on him, and Almas did all the work. She didn't actually lay a finger on him, and didn't even really lead to... Like, she didn't fully sabotage him. On the on the heel manager, it, like, interruption scale from 1 to 10, I'd put this at, like, a 3, which which was the right level for it to be at. Yeah. I, I, I you know, it's one of these higher mid-card matches or whatever where you want that one 
slight bit of thing to get heat for the feud. I, I, I don't I don't mind it that much. No, no, I think that's important, especially to kind of establish, you know, that Andrade, now just Andrade, needs to use some underhanded tactics to beat this legend Rey Mysterio. I, I think it's a bold move to give Rey this much time, but he's actually been fine. He's been pretty good. Like, these matches have just, been solid. Just call him La Sombra. Um... <laughs> Uh, I liked uh, I liked Joe beating the crap out of Mustafa Ali. I think it probably sets up Ali eliminating Joe from the Rumble. The one thing I didn't like, and this is just uh, WWE trope more than anything, is that when Joe's cutting that promo, which is pretty good, I want him to name guys that he wants to stay. Not all these 29 other superstars, blah, blah, blah. I, I want him to start listing specifics. I'm tired of the generalities in these promos. Give me some specifics here. I'm going to go after this guy. I'm going to go after this guy. This guy can't beat me. You know what's great about that, too, is it's kind of like a narrative dartboard in the sense that you've now thrown all these darts out. Like, you know, the people who are prone to predictions, right? They throw out a bunch of predictions, and then when one is right, they point to that and say, see, I got it. And you can do that in writing in these little promos here where you could have Joe talk trash about X, Y, and Z. Who's going to throw me out? Our truth And then after the Royal Rumble, when he has a match against R-Truth or whoever he has a match against, you can call back to this and, you know, draw that yeah. thread. So, Mandy Rose, in order to try and break up a marriage, which... Oh my god, this is so bad. Marriage, yeah. this, was her, this was her plan, was to break up a marriage... By leaving a hotel key with a guy that's happily married that shows no signs of struggling in the marriage. Uh, <laughs> and uh, paparazzi do it. But, of course, this this three-week angle is done within five minutes because here comes Naomi into the uh, hotel room. I kind of dug my favorite part of this. It, it was close to getting to where I wanted with it in terms of being smartly scripted, was uh, <laughs> oh Sonia going, you know, Sonia should... Oh my god, Sonia's like a soap opera actress because she's being forced to deliver this very bizarre reaction to it. Like, Jimmy and Jay... But she was close, she was close to what I, what I was looking for, which was... Conflicted? You're leaving a hotel key for a guy. What if he just gives it to her? That's all I wanted to hear was someone go... You're giving him a hotel key. He's happily married. What if he just gives it to his wife to come kick your butt? Oh, that won't happen. No, but instead, it was this. But at least they had somebody questioning the plan, which was fine, I guess. I mean, you know what would have made this smarter, but I still don't think I would love it is that if instead of Jimmy, it was Jay. And yes. Mandy couldn't tell the difference because she was so busy trying to execute her plot. I thought that's what it was when he said my wife. Yeah, I thought that's first. what it was too. And then I was like, wait, they didn't go with that? Oh, God. And, and then Naomi was there, which was also, oh, God, because it would have been much funnier if you have Jay there. He's got this photo. And so now Mandy has this utterly useless photo of her naked in front of Jay Uso. No, no. Is Jay single? I think in real life. I don't know. Let me check this. Because the thing to do is is if Jay is single, you have him actually sleep with, with Right. Andy oh yeah, Rose. no, no, I know. You end have him story. make the moves on it and then and then at and the have end her of it, think it's Jimmy. Yeah, she yeah. And she goes, Oh, Jimmy, what are you gonna tell your wife? And he's like, Jimmy, I'm Jay. Yeah. 
What, you can't tell us apart? What are you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But there's also a way to have Jimmy dress up more like Jay and, you know, make it... Could, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, I, who among us has not been a little confused by which Uso is which at certain times? Especially when they're wearing the face paint. He, he could say, look, I'm an inch shorter than my brother. You should have known. <laughs> no, but yeah, I, I thought that Oh, there's... no, he's married. Uh, he's married. We couldn't have done no, that. No, you uh, actually, well, you couldn't do the sleeping with him, but you could still do that as like uh, we were trying to settle some family business thing, and, and then yeah. and then have Naomi show up the next week. But um, like this, this was bad. And then the worst part of it is that Mandy Rose got the upper hand at the end of the beatdown. Yeah, that was weird. I'm just like, okay, huh? Because we all know, you know, if somebody's invited to a hotel. It's it's a plan, you know. It's I mean I don't mind. No, that but as a yeah, Naomi had the advantage of being the first mover. She's the one executing a plan, and Mandy is executing the wrong plan and is not prepared for the plan that's going to be executed on her. Naomi should have won this. It made her look yeah. very weak. Yeah, I, I, I one night with Precious, it was not. But uh, you know, they tried. <laughs> um. What else uh, on SmackDown did we... Oh, we had the birthday... A very long Shane McMahon in the Miz segment. They uh, they are certainly burning time using these, and, and they are... Look, the Miz is a great talker, but like the Miz and Shane, their on-screen chemistry really only works in spurts and not long stints. I, I'm a little confused by this Shane-Miz thing, because I thought Miz was being patently dishonest, especially when he's making him do this is a thing where both people are actually trying to get the other guy hurt aren't they it kind of feels like that like there's like a weird passive aggressive thing that shane's doing as well it's like it's it's like it it was at first it was the miz going you need to do this and you need to do that and you can get up in here and then all of a sudden now now he's giving it back going well you can fight sheamus right now even after getting like air jordans and stuff and i'm just like wow this is this makes both guys look like jerks (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and obviously the bar looked like a bunch of goobers here. Uh, the one thing I was thinking is that now that The Miz is a babyface, there's renewed interest, for me at least, in a Daniel Bryan and The Miz feud. Uh, I think, they're, I think man, I think it's just building towards Miz and Shane. No, and no, I, I don't think it's coming anytime soon. It was just a observation as I was watching this because I, I would be interested to see them dual promos and – also to revisit some of those spots in their matches where The Miz apes Daniel Bryan's moves and we have this weird inversion where people are cheering when The Miz does the moves and booing when Daniel Bryan does his. So if you've gotten through this much of the show, you're probably asking, where's the NXT UK TakeOver Blackpool review, Hawkins? And I'm telling you it's coming on the second show this week because Chris did not have time to watch it. And he wanted to wait on commenting for doing that. Okay, so the official tell, story, hold Chris. on. The official story I gave Dave Meltzer is when I was feeding him as a source was that I thought it was better themed for the NXT side of the week. That's fine. So I, I would appreciate it if you'd stick to the official reporting. This is, this is not a, I'm not, I'm not downplaying you. I'm, I'm actually warning you because both Rob and I, over the course of this Shake Them Ropes program history, have been fooled by the Chiron coming in at the end. Do not be fooled by this, Chris. When the Chiron comes on, the show is not over. Oh, my. 
Uh, you can join our Patreon, patreon.com slash shake them ropes. You can follow me at crap game 13. If you just want to follow the show for when new episodes come up, it's at shake them ropes. Chris, tell the people where they can find you and all your other shows that you do. You can find me at C-H-R-I-S-N-O-V-E-M-B-R-I-N-O. Chris Novembrino is my name-o. My other show is Don't Worry About the Government, which you can find at D-W-A-T-G on Twitter, but also on iTunes and on Stitcher, and our homepage is at don'tworry.tv. That's Don't Worry About the Government. My other other show, which is going to have a new episode out, like, I don't know, in the next couple of days here, because I just taped it earlier today, is the All in the Family podcast, and this is a good one. Um, I, I, you know, always am plugging the show, but th- this Sammy Davis Jr. episode, watch the show, watch the episode, listen to the review. I, I think you'll really like it. Um, and you can find that on iTunes and Stitcher, the All in the Family podcast, and our homepage is the All in the Family podcast.com. Stay tuned for the GoFundMe for my traffic ticket. Tessa, what I'm going to do, I promise I love you so much. I wrote you a little poem, Tessa, and I memorized it. Roses are red, violets are blue. Tessa, I love you. I love you, baby. Come back to me. I'm going to beat you to death next week, Bill Dundee.